Hope you were blessed by that. I know Ada was. He blesses us so much with your tears, brother. Can we open up uh, the Bible to um, First Kings? First Kings. Chapter 18, 19, we're going to go to. Actually, I had some more notes and, and I put them away. So I want to just, let's open in prayer. Lord, we just thank you so much that we can all be thankful for what Calvary did for each one of us that knows you as Savior. And we praise you this morning. And we ask that you'd be in this message, that you would offer a blessing. And that you would encourage us to make whatever decision each of us needs to make today. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I was thinking about and reading about Elijah and Elijah is such a, a wonderful man of God. And you think about him, and I was thinking about Elijah as far as a resume. And there's a lot of people who have done resumes recently. And I had some notes on his resume, but I'm going to just kind of give you a synopsis of that. Because um, a resume, as we've had Mike... A number of us had Mike Souza work on a resume. He's a master of resumes. And a resume is designed to create a picture so that someone who's interested in you would be encouraged to want to choose you and use you and employ you. And he had a very distinct resume. He came on to the scene in chapter 17 of 1 Kings and you know, when you think about a, a resume, the first thing it mentions is your name. And it clearly talks about Elijah the Tishbite. And it talks about, you know, who Elijah was. And that's where his journey began. But Elijah was an incredible man of God. And if you would read 17 and 18, you would see the resume of this great man. He was a man that was used greatly by the Lord. He was a man that had integrity. He was a man that was dependable. He was a man that could be called on for any job, and he was ready to answer the call. He was a man that was useful to the king, useful to the Lord. He was a man that really, if you look at his resume, you can see that one of the first things that God did for him was to send him to a brook. And at that brook, and that would be the first part of his resume, his job was to go to the brook and just sit tight. And he sat tight. And it says that the Lord provided ravens to feed him there at the brook. That was his first responsibility. And then he kind of had another responsibility as the brook dried up. He was told by the Lord to go 
to another place and go to a widow. And he was in training by the Lord and he went to the widow and he asked for some bread. And then the widow told him that she was going to eat the last piece that she had with her son and die. And he encouraged her to make him a piece and a loaf. And he ate that with her. And we know that what happened was, is that it never, the jug didn't run empty. And she was provided for with her son because of her faith. And then her son died. And this is another part of his resume. What a great man he was. He was called upon by the woman to actually assist her son. And he went to her son, and with the power of the Lord, he actually rescued her son. And it says that the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him. What a great resume he's creating. And then he was called again. After a certain amount of time, the Lord told him to go present yourself to Ahab, And if we want to know who Ahab was, it says that he was the worst of kings that Israel's ever seen. And he had a wife that was like a double doozy, somebody who you would never want to ever meet before. I wouldn't want to meet her in a dark alley even now, today. So what a couple they were. Two misfits hating the Lord, hating everything about God. So he was told to go to this man because he had already told him that there would be no water, there would be a famine, and now there was a famine. And now his, his resume is really looking good, because what courage he had to do that. And he went, and it says that he went to the prophets, and he asked the people to make a decision, to choose between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. And the people said nothing and encouraged what a great man. He didn't just put his tail between his legs and walk away. No, he said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. And then he created a challenge. Baal's prophets got together and they tried to call on their God. And he mocked them and he laughed at them because their God did not come through. And he was bold. And all of a sudden, he calls upon his God. And we know that what happened is that the Lord came through and actually licked up even the water in the trench, as well as the the offering and the wood and the stones. That was his resume. I think that's a great resume. But then we come to chapter 19. That's the one thing about a resume. I mean, you can actually hide things from your resume. And I know we all don't want to put on if I was ever fired from a position. I don't want to put fired from Dell computer. I didn't do my job and I was let go. That doesn't sound very appealing to an employer. But this man had a great resume. And then we come to chapter 19. He had just come out of a great blessing. And he had even told uh, Ahab to hitch up your chariot and go down because the rain was coming. Because God told him 
to tell Ahab the rain is coming and he called it right and the rain came and it says that the power of the Lord came upon Elijah. That's how chapter 18 ends. Wow. Beautiful. But then Ahab, who basically saw this power that God had, he tells the other half as they're sitting in their little cottage or wherever they're sitting, he's telling her, this is what Elijah did. You killed some of the prophets, but he killed 450 of them. Now, starting in verse 1 of chapter 19, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that. Of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, and while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. And then he came to a broom tree. And some of you, I think your Bible say a, a juniper tree, I think. And he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He then lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel of the Lord touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. Also, Lord says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And like a little parrot, he said the same thing. I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, and then he goes on to tell him to anoint a king, two kings, and to anoint a prophet. And that's where we're going to kind of stop because that's a lot. 
And isn't that beautiful that um, he had such a great life and then he had a little hiccup. And it's great that God would reveal that to us and tell us this is how it is. There's no picture picturing anything glory glorified. This is who he was. This is what happened. The first point we're going to talk about today was Elijah was afraid. And the point is, Satan loves to discourage God's faithful ones, his useful servants. Our Elijah was afraid, and what did he do? He fled for his life. He left his servant in a place because he didn't want his servant to accompany him. He didn't want his servant maybe to go through what he was going to go through. And I was reading a quote that said that the threat of Jezebel produced the outcome she was looking for. Faith suddenly failed this man, and he, instead of showing an indomitable spirit of a martyr, fled from his post of duty. And he went alone into, into the wilderness. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He did something that was good in one sense because he prayed. He just didn't pray the right thing. Please think about what we're talking about today. This man of God who was great, this man of God who had a resume that was full of his faithfulness and loyalty to our God, who came through time and time again, Satan tripped him, tripped him, tripped him, caused him to have his eyes off of the Lord. He got distracted. He got fearful. And Satan works, his work continues today. You think about Adam and Eve in the garden. And what does Satan do with Eve? God, did he really say that? Did he really say don't eat? Did he really say that? He doesn't want you to know the truth. Satan was whispering to Elijah's ears. Jezebel, did you hear about Jezebel? She's crazy. You better run. And Satan is always whispering in one ear. This, this, this. And he whispered in Eve's ear. And what did she say? I'll eat it. And Adam's sitting there all dumbfounded and ate too. So the two of them created what we have today. Sin. Wouldn't it be great? I'd like, Lord, forgive me. When I see Adam... Boy, am I going to give him something. (laughs) But I would have done the same thing. I would have eaten too. And you know, what did he do? He tempted Job. He came to the Lord and says, he's not as faithful as you think he is. Let's take some of his stuff and watch him squirm. And Job's faith was secure. But Satan was whispering, taking away, whispering. And he used his wife too. curse God and die. Curse God, die. He's not faithful. And he said, no. Well, Elijah listened to the whispering this time. 
And then he even, what did he do with Jesus? He came to tempt even our Savior he tried to tempt. I'll give you this if you will bow down to me. And Jesus said, no way will I bow down to you. I have a job to do. And he finished his job. And he wasn't distracted. He said, I have, a, Elijah said, I, I've had enough. Take my life. I'm done. I can no longer be used. And the Lord says to each one of us today, because there's people in here, and I know there has to be at least one or two, that God is not using you anymore. Because the whispering has gotten so big. And maybe you have a great resume. Maybe you did some great things. But that doesn't really matter now, does it? Because right now, is he using you? Are you listening to the whispers that says, you're not worthy. I can't use you. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. Fear. Fear makes you fumble. When you are afraid, you have a tendency not to do well. The pressure is so great that it causes you to mess up. It's like the guy who was out of money. He decided to rob a bank because he couldn't think of any other way to get the money. He didn't know anything about robbing banks, though. He was not a robber by profession. If you looked at his resume, he was a little clerk or doctor, but he had a different profession. His profession was not robbing. So what did he do? He practiced over and over and over what he would say to the bank teller. He got a revolver and a sack for the money, so he was prepared. Then he practiced sticking the sack over the counter and pointing the gun in someone's face saying, don't mess with me. This is a stick up. And over and over he's practicing. Don't mess with me. This is a stick up. Here's the bag. And he got good. Very good at it. But when it came down for the real thing, he was really nervous about it because but he was confident because he practiced so much. However, when he got to the bank, fear took over, and he handed the lady the revolver, pointed the sack at her, and he said, Don't stick me. This is a mess up. Yeah. Don't stick with me. This is a mess up. That's what fear can do to us. Can cause us to do some stupid thing. Can you imagine what they did when they put him in jail? But there's cost for fear. God says, and he told, he tells us, don't be fearful. Don't be fearful of what they can do to you because they can't harm you. Don't be fearful of the circumstances that you're in because I need to use you. Don't be fearful 
of anything. Be focused on serving me and being about my business because I want to use you. And at this moment, fear caused God not to be able to use this man of God. And I like the verse where it says, Joshua said to them, don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are about to fight. Because our God is on our side. And when we have issues, he is fighting on our behalf. Jezebel's look out. There's many Jezebels. We might even have an employer who's like a Jezebel. We don't need to be fearful. We don't need to worry. We just need to have our focus and our confidence in our God and not be afraid because he is on our side. He's looking out for for us. And in Revelation, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Because some of us are suffering, aren't we? And it can create fear. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution. But be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. We have crowns in store for us, brothers and sisters, when we get to heaven for our faithfulness. And he laid down under the tree and went to sleep. And our second point is our Lord never leaves us nor forsakes us. He sends help in time of need. And that's what our God is all about. Isn't it great? Because he's sitting there saying, woe is me. I am so tired. I am hurting. And Satan's whispering, you're a loser. You can't be used anymore for God's work. Look at you. You ran away from a woman. I, your God can't use you. He's not real. And then God under the tree does a beautiful thing. He wakes him up, sends an angel to wake him up a helper. Someone that's used by God. Helpers. And there's a lot of helpers in this room. A lot of people who God says, I want to send you to bless a brother and a sister that's going in the wrong direction. I want to use you to point them in the right direction. I want to use you to feed them what they need to to sustain them and to point them to our Lord. And that's what this angel did. They came at the right time, woke him up, provided bread, sustenance from heaven because he was tired and weary because the journey had gotten too much for him. And he was given the food necessary, the drink necessary, the confidence necessary and the directions that were necessary because the angel of the Lord came even a second time after they fed him and said, it's time to get up because You need enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights because I want you to know that there's a place that you need to go to. I've set an appointment up for you to meet somebody. And this was the Lord. And he came to a cave and there he spent the night. But God never leaves us nor forsakes us. He sends help when we need it. He sends us what we need when we need it. And he gives us what we need, exactly what we need, and much more. He will never, ever forsake us. That's the God that we have. 
And in Deuteronomy it says, for the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your forefathers, which he confirmed to them by oath. And in Acts 2.27 it says, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Our God. God was, God's angel was pointing him where? To a meeting. To an interview. To our Savior. And then the third point. Well, now that the Lord has our attention, he wants to know something. He wants to know something. What are you doing here? And that's what he asked Elijah. He said, the Lord came to him and says, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Why are you in the place that you're in? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why are you denying me? Why are you not serving me? Why are you running around in circles? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why are you here in a cave? When I have work for you to do down in the kingdom here, there's needs down there. Don't you remember? What are you doing here? Elijah, I have zealously served the God Almighty and the people of Israel broken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed every one of the prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. That was his answer. Well, what was the real reason you're here? Come on now. Pull him off to the side and let's get him out of this picture with him just saying, I got to say what I, you know, what the Lord wants me to say. No. What is the truth? Why are you here? Because I'm afraid of Jezebel. It wasn't all that stuff he wrote. Was it? What are we saying when the Lord says, why are you here? Why are you where you are? Why are you in the sin you're in? Why are you looking at those things you're looking at? Why are you doing those things you're doing? Why are you doing all this stuff when I say I want you to go in a certain direction and I want to use you? Why are you not being used by me? Why? Because, Lord, um, it's been really hard and you know my situation and everything is tough. And, 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 and what? What? Who am I? I'm the one that said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm the one that says, I need you. I'm the one that says, I have work for you to do. I'm the one that's given you all this truth and this foundation to use for my glory, to bring people into the kingdom, to live faithful, faithfully for me, to live a righteous life. And what are you saying? And one of the writers says, what are you doing here? Am I where I should be? Where God calls me, where my business lies, and where I may be useful? Are we where we belong today? You, me, are we there? Are we in a place where God called us? Are we in a place where God can use us? And is he using us? Today, right now. And after he 
replied, I've done this and I'm the only one and poor me. The Lord says, go out before me and stand on the mountain. And Elijah did do that. He stood there. And the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, crushed that his God, that he knew saw him, saw the truth, didn't crush him, didn't condemn him, didn't put him down. He whispered gently, what are you doing here, Elijah? And it touched him. Even though he replied it again after God asked him a second time. And you know, sometimes terrible judgments appear as if they should convert us and change us, but they don't. Sometimes you think this hard judgment and series of judgments should affect us and problems and big things should affect us, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's just a small whisper. Do you know Do you know I have mercy on you? Do you know I forgive you? Do you know I'm on your side? He learned something different about his God. He saw the fury of his God, didn't he? He saw him. Saw him wipe up that sacrifice. He saw the power, even in the hills, the mountains collapsing. He saw God's power, but he never saw that whisper. That whisper, that gentle whisper that says, I want to be your Lord. I love you so much. And I'm not going to condemn you. I forgive you. And after he said that, he said, I still want to use you. But now we have to add to his resume something different. Job abandonment. He abandoned his post. And now that's on the resume. And then God looks at the resume and he says, wow, great, great, great. Well, job abandonment. It's okay, I can still use you. But you got to do something for me. Because Elijah wasn't quite there yet. Elijah really wasn't there yet. He told him, which is the last point, the Lord can use broken vessels for his great work. And the Lord told him, go back the way you came. He didn't say, you are a weakling. You're not useful to me. If you don't get your act together, I'm going to basically put you in the rubble of 
insufficient, useless prophets. I'm going to burn your resume. I'm looking for another prophet, not you. No. He says, go back the way you came. And as Elijah's walking back, as I, and Adol knows, any walker knows, especially you walk alone, it's different when you walk alone. There's something happens, really. Your mind is different. It seems clearer. I mean, honestly, it does. It's like all the fury and the, and the stuff is not there. It's like the distractions are gone. And he was walking, walked 40 days and 40 nights. He said, go back the way you came. Well, he traveled at least 40 days and 40 nights. So, you know, he had to at least go 40 days. So those 40 days, he's walking. He says, man, how did I do that? What's wrong with me? Gosh, I did this and I did. It's like, what's going on? It's like, but, but, but then he thinks he hears a whisper. I can use you. I love you. I love you. I love you because he told him to go anoint two kings and to anoint a prophet to replace him. So he gave him instructions. But before he could do those instructions, he says, go back the way you came. Relive the life that you lived. I want you to see something. And he did. It says he walked and it was clear mind. I see him walking, guys. I see him. And I see he, he, he's remembering the whisper and he's walking and maybe he saw somebody as he's thinking, what am I doing here? What's going on? Why? I don't understand how he can use me. And he says somebody maybe walked up to him and says, Elijah, is that you? Aren't you the one that killed the prophets that showed God? I love you. My family loves you. I am a born again believer because of your testimony. God bless you, Elijah. And he keeps going. And Elijah's like, whoa, whoa. His step is changing. He's going back and he's seeing what his life was like. And then he goes by the trench and he sees it's dry. And he remembers, wow, I was up here and the Lord blessed me and just licked up all that water and the sacrifice. Man, these people were on fire and they all turned and said, we worship your God, Elijah. I said, wow, his step is changing. He's got a little, little more juice in him now and then he goes to past the widow's house and he looks up and and they see him and the son maybe looks out and says isn't that elijah mom isn't that the man who fed us isn't that the man who brought me back to life because of his faithfulness and his god isn't that him and they go out and they hug him and they say thank you elijah thank you you were a blessing to me you changed my life thank you elijah and he's now on fire for the lord he knows now. He sees it now. The whispering of Satan is now disappearing. He hears that small voice saying, I can use you still. Your resume is not good, but I can still use you, my son. I can use you. Stop listening to the whispers of the evil one. Get up on that horse and let's ride off into the kingdom together and be useful for the king. And not be distracted. And then he came to the brook. And he's sitting there and he sees the birds flying around. And they're not feeding him. Because he's already been fed. God fed him. He didn't need any bread that day. He needed some conviction. 
to turn him around and he got it. So the birds are flying around. His memory is clear now. And he's using, he's being used now and he feels it in his heart and his soul. I can be used again. My God, thank you that you didn't forsake me. Thank God that you didn't say you are useless for my kingdom because of what you've done. Because the blood of Christ just washed it all away. He says, I forgive you. I love you. Be used by me. And I remember I was walking today and I saw a bird. And he, as I'm coming home, I see a bird and he's, he's in the middle of the street eating on something dead, a dead carcass. And I'm thinking, this is a total contrast of what Elijah, the man of God, saw. He was fed by a bird. The miracle of that had to touch his heart. And we have many miracles in our lives that should touch our hearts about what God has done for us. And he says, go back and remember. Let's get back on our horse. Let's get back on God's plan. Let's stop going down in this, in this direction and, and, and thinking that, oh, woe is me. He can't use me anymore. Yes, he can. He can use you and me if we get right with him. If we forsake the sin that's in our life. If we get rid of anything, any weight or hindrance that's stopping us to be used by him. And we no longer be fearful of anything that can hurt us. He wants everybody in this room that knows him to say, Lord, use me. And he doesn't look at our resume. Unless at the bottom it says that I'm unwilling. All we have to do is be willing. I was blessed by that story that he calls those who have strayed away and he says come home but understand that whisper is nothing to just turn our backs to and say no thanks and he also sends the whisper to those who don't know him it's like I love you so much aren't you tired of going in your own direction in your own way. Aren't you tired of living the way you're living? And he says this whisper doesn't come down upon us. He uses big judgments at times. He does. But our God is a God of love and kindness and mercy. And that's what touched Elijah, his mercy. And I pray that today, if there's anybody in here today that doesn't know him, that his mercy will touch you, not his judgment. His mercy, he loves you. And he says, come into the kingdom. I welcome you. I don't care what's on your resume. You could have denied me a million times, and I still love you, and I still welcome you. I read a story about a man who was lost when it was dark. And he's walking. And he's lost. He doesn't know. And he sees a signpost. And he climbs up the signpost. 
and he has a little flashlight or something and his a match in his in his pocket. So he gets to the top and he lights the match and he looks and what does he see? He sees the face of Christ. He had climbed up a crucifix and he was looking at Jesus. And then he remembered because he had actually was a soldier in World War One, and he had actually deserted. He deserted his troop. And when he saw the face of Jesus, he remembered the one who died for him. The one who said, who never turned back, because our Lord never turned back. And it says in the morning, he got back in line with his troops and went back to fight the war. Are you? Do you hear the small voice today? That loving voice? Not my voice, please. But his voice. Says, I love you. I can use you. I want to use you. Please, let me use you. Everybody, if we can bow our heads... I really love the fact that our God loves us so much and he's interested in us. And and anybody here who's interested in really making a decision and giving their life to him, I invite you today. Do you hear that voice? Has that voice been stirring in you and saying that he loves you, that he wants to be in your life? Today, you can make a commitment. Just a gentle voice. I love you so much. Please, please come to me. If there's anybody here today, please just put your hand up and I'll pray for you and and it'll be wonderful. You'll get to walk out of these doors with the Lord Jesus in your heart. Is there anybody who wants to respond to that gentle voice and say, Lord, have me, take me? Anybody today? Just put your hand up and I'll pray for you. And then any Christian who has been going wayward, that God has talked to you today. And you've heard that small voice and you said, I'm ready to get back on track. I mean, I didn't plan to ask you to put your hand up, but I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. I'm ready to get back on track. I'm ready to go with the Lord. I'm ready to do his work. I'm not willing to go in the direction that I've been going. That gentle touch has touched me, and I want to get back into the work of the King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to be part of his great work. Anybody? Well, I see your hands. Anybody else? Amen, I see your hand. I want to be part of your work, Lord. I want to be used by you. I want to make a difference. I want to be a blessing. I want to cause people to come to Christ. I see your hand. Amen. Amen. I see your hand. I want to be part of your great plan. And I haven't been. Please take me. Lord, we thank you so much for just your word. We thank you so much for the Bible that gives us the truth. The Bible that shares the reality of who we are how we fail, how we go astray. And we praise you this morning, Lord, 
that when we do go astray, you're a God of mercy. You're a God of gentleness and love. You love us so much. And we praise you this morning. We pray for those that put their hand up, Lord. We pray that you would keep this thought, this commitment, this passion in their heart that they would go out now and serve you wholeheartedly. And that they would not listen to the whispers of Satan that would distract them and keep them on the journey and use them in a mighty way. We thank you, Lord, and we praise your name. And we love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.